So this morning, as we honor fathers, we, we can see the theme of this morning already. And uh, in, on top of honoring our earthly fathers, our stepfathers and our father figures, spiritual fathers, we want to honor our father in heaven. And uh, he is the ultimate father. He is without him. None of this will be possible, eh? Literally, none of this will be happening <laughs> without a heavenly father. And, uh, you know, without, without his redemption, without his love, without Christ and him sending his son, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't even known about God. We wouldn't even know God. We'll be pagans, unbelievers. And uh, the Bible says that our father, our heavenly father, is a good, good father. And it's a powerful song. It worked out perfectly today. And uh, we didn't talk about it, so we did talk about it. Um, he's a good father, one who's loving, caring, faithful, and uh, ever-present in a believer's life. I love Psalm 100. I've been reading Psalms every day uh, for the last year, and it's uh, so powerful, and it just pops every time I read it. Um, Psalms 105, for the Lord is good. First and foremost, like John was saying, the Lord is good in his goodness. His faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. It's so important to understand who our Father, our Heavenly Father is and what He is like. Because every human being needs a Father. Every, everyone needs, whatever it be, a Father or a Father figure or a spiritual Father. Everybody needs someone that can teach them, that can embrace them, that can protect them, that can love them and be an example of how they should live in their lives. And uh, we, we, we live in a world where there's so many role models around us. And uh, not all of them take us in the right path, but our Heavenly Father will always look after us. He will teach us in His goodness how to live a godly life. And Psalm 119, 68 says, You are good, and you do what is good. Teach me your statutes. He's saying, this is um, uh, David saying that. He's saying, Teach me your ways, Lord. Heavenly Father, teach me. Show me how to live. Show me how to draw on you. Show me how to, you know, share your love and explore your love and, and know more about you and understand more about you. And um, it's so important that, um, that the father figure plays a critical role in the development, long-term mental health of any person. And there's so many psychological studies and researchers that prove that. But for many of us, that word father, just the word father can trigger us in many different ways, in many different images, in many different emotions, in many people. We're all, we've all had different experiences in our life uh, with earthly fathers and father figures here, whether biological father, a stepfather, a spiritual father, or another kind of father figure type. For some, the word father is associated with memories of kindness, laughter, joy, and love. For others, the word father can mean feelings of rejection, absence, never being around. For some who grew up not even knowing their own biological father. And for others, the word father can even mean the worst forms of physical, emotional, and spiritual abuse. And whatever the experiences, these feelings, and these thoughts, these, these experiences can affect our perspective on who our Heavenly Father really is. Our experiences even shape our, our expectations of God. They affect how we relate to our Father God. They affect how we relate to people around us. Some misunderstanding God's heart and God's ways and God's intentions. Not really walking in the true light, believing in Him, but not really walking in the true light of the Father 
and the true light of his freedom. And while I'm sure that most fathers here on earth and father figures, they've done the best that they could to, to raise up a person and equip a person, but given their imperfect nature, they will never measure up to what a person really desires. They can never really give a person a complete fulfilling and whole life. And it's tempting, even especially, you know, when our earthly fathers then give us what we want. We go around looking for other things. We can look for, you know, other things that can fulfill us, other things that can make us feel whole. We go searching for different answers in different places, in all the wrong places sometimes. We, we look for acceptance, love, fulfillment. I mean, I went to a game on, um, on Friday with Jonah, his first game, rugby league game, and... Uh, I've never seen him scream in my life, and mate, this kid was screaming, and I reckon the, the, the stadium, Homebush Stadium, was echoing with his voice. It was that loud. I had to film him. I'm like, what the, like a 12-year-old kid, I said, mate, your voice broke tonight, I reckon. <laughs> you really went through it tonight. <laughs> and, uh, but what, what was interesting reflecting on it was the, I guess the, 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 the draw to the gift of the player and the ability and everyone hanging around at the end, trying to shake their hand, trying to take a photo, signature. My son got a signature. And I was reflecting on going, isn't it funny? We look at sporting heroes and heroes to be our role models sometimes. But a lot of the times their ability and the fact that they, are, they look like a famous and a role model, their, their character doesn't measure up. Their moral character doesn't measure up. And sometimes even young people, especially, they get caught up in looking towards them and go, I want to be like them one day. And, you know, you see social media and all these other things that they, whoever they are and all the famous guys, they, not all of them, but most of them put on stuff and people look towards that as a role model. And the kids are searching. People are searching. Even adults that are broken are searching too. They can connect to famous actors. I mean, I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was the best. But you know what? God bless him. I'll never follow him in terms of a moral, <laughs> moral life. <laughs> you know, but we need God. The world won't give us what we're, what we're after. The world or anyone in the world will not give us, will not please us, will not fulfill us because our inner being is searching. Our inner being seeks for something. And the Bible says that eternity is placed in the heart of every person. And any God, eternity himself can fill that void. Hey, only God can do that. So you're searching for answers that only God can fill. Our Heavenly Father can provide. The world cannot provide. The world cannot fill. And that's why as believers, we need to understand the Word of God. We need to understand who our Heavenly Father truly is. And our Heavenly Father is everything that any other father cannot be. Second Peter one three says, Our Heavenly Father's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. So powerful, eh? He provides everything that we need. We're never designed to live on our own. We're never designed to live without a Heavenly Father. And we're never designed to, to walk on our own. And only when we connect with the Heavenly Father can our human life be filled with faith, hope, love, joy, peace, providing everything that, he, that we ever need. But 
I'm talking about Father, but what makes Him our Father? I mean, didn't the Bible say that God sent His one and only Son? What makes Him our Father? Is it simply because He created us that makes Him our Heavenly Father? Well, not really. The Bible says that we were brought into a relationship with God through the act of adoption. Adoption. Wow, that's a powerful word. When Jesus came to earth, he did much more than take away our sins. John 1.12 said, But all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. See, the word of God is clear that when you receive Christ in your heart, when you receive eternal life by placing your, life in, your, your faith in him, by acknowledging him as your Lord and Savior, when you receive him as Lord, when you, see, when you receive him as God and as the only Savior in your life, you're not only saved from sin and an eternal hell, but you are adopted into the family of God. Amazing. And John the Apostle, he wrote that. And uh, then at a different time, in a different part of the world, Paul the Apostle opens up the truth and he goes, Galatians 4.4, 4, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in God's perfect timing. God's perfect timing, when the time came to completion, God sent his son born of a woman, born of a human, born under Jewish law, but you can interpret that as born under the world systems, the world's beliefs, the world's philosophies and the way you think, the way you act, the way you think, what you think is right. In Galatians 4, 5, he says, why did he do that? To redeem us, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. See, when you, re- when you receive Christ, you are redeemed. You have been set free from that rat race of the world's belief and the world's philosophies because you receive the right. You have the right to become a child of God. That is amazing. Think about that for a moment. Think about adoption for a moment, all right? Think about that. It's, it's a big thing. I mean, it's a huge responsibility when you adopt somebody. I mean, we know a, a, a family in our, in, the, in our kids' school that they adopted a, a, young, a young girl. Uh, I think she wasn't even a baby. She was only a newborn, a couple of months. Made the responsibility to do that and the legal right to, to, to adopt a child into a family was huge. And Paul was writing this letter in the time of Roman times. I mean, even at that time in Roman times, it was even stricter because even a natural child had to go through a process of the parents signing them into the family. Crazy. It's not like you're born into the family, but you're, you're already there. Roman times, it's like, no, no, I accept the child that I gave birth to. Huh? And, and then they also adopt a child that they don't give birth to into from another family. And if that law wasn't followed... I mean, it, wouldn't, it would be a different penalty. It would be the death penalty back then, so it's a lot more serious than what it is. I mean, it still means what it is now, but to adopt a child is permanent part of the family. To receive the full legal right, an inheritance, just like a natural child. An adopted child receives a new identity, new rights, new responsibilities. Being adopted is very, very serious. And the Bible says that we're adopted into God's family when we believe and when we receive Jesus Christ. 
God is so good. And the Holy Spirit reveals the Heavenly Father to us. It's crazy. And uh, Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is a term the Hebrew children used to describe their father in an intimate way. Sort of like when we say daddy or papa. I mean, you wouldn't be saying daddy or papa to, your, to someone that wasn't your, your father, unless you're mucking around. But we have the right to call a heavenly father, daddy, <laughs> papa. And I love Yvonne. Yvonne does that all the time. And I love that when he says that. It's a revelation that he's had. And it's beautiful. It's an intimate way of calling God. So Galatians 4, 7 says, So you are not, no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son then God has made you an heir. An heir. Wow, that's huge. An heir. Like, we're talking about, that's like a kingdom, an heir to the throne. You know, that's huge. And being adopted means that you're, you're released from a life of slavery, a life of bondage, a life of worldviews, a life of world beliefs, a life of worldly customs like lust, greed, power, all kinds of things, and you're adopted into the family of God as a son or daughter, and God now calls you his own with full rights, full identity, like that Roman law. And Romans 8.17 says, if, the, if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, I mean, you can't get better than that, co-heirs with Christ, that's crazy. So those that receive Christ as Lord and Savior, will be children of God and co-heirs of Christ. And that doesn't mean that we're... I'll take that later. Is that on the table? <laughs> Our Heavenly Father. <laughs> you must like the message. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> um, <laughs> but being a co-heir in Christ or with Christ doesn't mean you're divine. It doesn't mean that, Right? I mean, we're, only, we're humans, so let's, let's get that out of the way. I mean, a lot of uh, religious groups like to call themselves divine. I mean, I, I spoke to a guy, in a, um, he, uh, he's been in an ambulance for about 30 years, and he told me that in 30 years, the, he's, he's, I think it was five times he's encountered somebody or gone to a house, done a house call, that they thought they were Jesus Christ himself. Full on, eh? And they really, truly believed it, that they were Jesus Christ, the Messiah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so, uh, you know, we're, we're not divine. We're humans. We're flesh and blood, all right? We're not divine. Uh, Jesus is the divine, sinless Son of God. And we are adopted into the family, right? When we believe in God, and that makes us co-heirs, co-heirs. Almost sounds English when you say that, eh? We are one with Christ and one with God. That's who we are. That's our identity. God sees you as one with his son, Jesus. God sees you that way. You have the right to call the creator, the God of the universe, Heavenly Father, Daddy. Amazing. And Jesus, he came, he taught the major truths about God. In the Gospels, he went through so many different things. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were taught about God's nature, his holiness, justice, power, sovereignty, omniscience, care, providence. But one of the biggest truths 
that Jesus taught us in the Gospels was about our Father. You know, out of 260 times that God is referenced of as Father, the New Testament, the Gospels, the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus mentions it 189 times out of the 265 times, out of the whole Gospel. Like most of it, Jesus wanted to teach us about God, our Father. I think he was really trying to teach us something. Jesus came to teach us about our Father. He came and he said, if you've seen me, or if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Powerful. He said, if we believe in Jesus, we believe in the Father. Powerful. He showed us the way to, to the Father through himself. And he taught us how to connect with our Heavenly Father when we receive Christ. Jesus would use many stories to describe the character of, and the heart of a Heavenly Father and the relationship that we can have. Jesus knew that as a co-heir in Christ, we needed to know, we needed to know who our Father was so that we're not only having faith in Him, but we can turn to Him, trust in Him, and depend on Him with our whole life, both in this life and our life to come. And one of the most powerful stories, and I'll, I'll share this story uh, and I'll try to end it. Um, one of our most powerful stories that describes the character, the heart of God and the heart of our Heavenly Father is in Luke 15. See, in this story, Jesus describes the Heavenly Father from his own perspective. If you read through it, Jesus is talking about God the Father from how he can see it. See, he says that the Father is one with his Son in this, in this scripture, and it's part of the prodigal son. I mean, if you don't know Luke 15, the prodigal son, right? And he says that he, he talks about how the father loves his son, how the father blesses his son, how the father gives power and authority to his son, how the father honors his son. And being co-heirs with Christ, all of these are, are blessings and things that God has put on his son, Jesus. And because we are co-heirs, we have the same thing. We have the same truth supplied to our life. And this story is about two sons that Jesus talks about. An older son that didn't understand the relationship and how to, how to know about God and didn't understand the relationship with God. And a younger son who just leaves and abandons and rebels against God. But mainly the focus is on Jesus describing the heavenly father. Jesus is describing the fatherly aspect of God and his character and the relationship he has with all of his children. And we'll start Luke 15, 11 to 12. He also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to him or to them. So usually uh, an inheritance is distributed after a father passes away. That's normally what happens. But when you read it and you say that the youngest son is asking for the inheritance it, it, it means that he was being selfish. It means that he didn't care that the father had to liquidate his assets and provide for the son that wanted the inheritance. He didn't care about the hassle. He didn't care about his father. He didn't care about anyone else. He just wanted it. He was greedy. He was selfish. He didn't care about how difficult it might have been. And it seems like the father, the, the son wanted everything the father could give him, not the father himself. And people who refuse to put their faith in God live this way. Even as Christians, we say we love the Father, but truly, a lot of people just love the blessing. Not in this church. Not in this church. 
just uh, make that statement. <laughs> so the father in this story could have said no. I mean, just end the story and go, no, son, you're not ready. You're foolish. You're childish, man. Like, am I really going to give it to you? I mean, doesn't the, I know you're going to fall. Why am I going to do this? Why am I going to let you? And that would have been just the end of it. But the father shows love and grace, and he gives the children free will. He gives us free will. And the father, in his love, mercy, and grace, goes, okay, here you go. I'll give it to you. And, but why does the father do that? Because love can't be forced. Love had to be a decision. And in Deuteronomy, it says that he has set before you two paths, death and life. And you've got to choose. And when you choose, you own the decision. This younger son had to own the decision. Luke 15, 13 to 14 says, Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had, all he had and traveled to a distant country. He squandered his estate, his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck the country, and he had nothing, completely nothing. Despite the goodness of the father, the son still made a choice. He, he got what he wanted. He got everything that he wanted from the father. He took off. He went into a distant country, away from the father. And isn't that interesting? When we rebel from the father, when we move away from the father, that's when we remove all boundaries. That's when we permit all things into our life. It's an interesting thing to ponder on. The son squandered everything he had in life, or in, 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 that, in that inheritance. And when we're young, isn't it true that when we're young, we think we know it all. But when we get to our parents' age, we start to go, well, uh, you're right. <laughs> we were, you're right. We were wrong. And then to add on to the problem, there was a severe famine. There was inflation, all-time high. No many jobs around. Food was getting very expensive, like the watermelons. $30 each, $34 each. Oy, oy, oy. Luke 15, 15 to 16 said, Then he went back to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fuel from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. And this was a Jewish man feeding pigs. I mean, Jews consider pigs unclean. You're not allowed to touch a pig as a Jewish person. He degraded himself. He let himself go to the lowest of the lowest of life. And there's an old Jewish saying that's saying, may a curse be on that man who cares for pigs. He cursed himself. Cursed himself. I don't know about you or where you've been, if you've been at the point of low life in your, in your life, at the lowest of lows in life. We can get into some pretty bad stuff, eh? When we're, when we're in the lows. We can allow some pretty bad things to go on. And, and allow ourselves to do things that we should never be doing, making poor choices, taking the wrong path. At a low point, we turn on ourselves. We self-destruct, don't we? Humans, man, humans, what we do, we even self-harm at the lowest of the lows. We become disillusioned. But sometimes we need to be brought to that low so that we can realize what we have. And realize that inner strength that God puts in us, in a believer. See, the pain puts our life into perspective, doesn't it? 
I'm sure we've all gone through pain and we know that after the pain or sometimes during the pain, you're like, okay, there's something pretty bad going on in my heart, Lord, and I, and I can see it. Okay, Lord, let's do this. And at that point, the son, he reflects on his circumstances and he realizes that true repentance to come back to the Father, come back to the right and take the right path. Come and realign yourself. Luke 15, 17 said, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food and here I am dying of hunger? He was disillusioned, but in the pain, he came to his senses, right? I like that part. He came to his senses. Sometimes we're not in our right senses, right? Sometimes we're not in our right state of mind, especially when we're in the lowest of the lows. How many of us at that point, at that low, at the crossroads, realize that choosing your own selfish life, your own selfish path, will lead you to a meaningless, meaningless, destructive life, meaningless, destructive living. But turning our life back to God is definitely worth living. And the truth is, God was never distant, even in your most difficult times. He was never distant, even at your lowest point in your life. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted. Praise the Lord. He saves those who's crushed in spirit. He was always close. He was always close. As a son, as a daughter who has received Christ, his spirit is inside of you. He's close. His word is close to your heart. In the middle of all that pain and brokenness, the Father reveals himself in a new way. He reveals himself, and we come to a deeper understanding of who our Heavenly Father is and his love for us. See, in our church four years ago, we went through a pretty painful moment, or pretty dark, difficult times. We faced major issues. Many times we felt dark. Many times wanted to give up. Many times wanted to walk away, felt lonely. But that silence, in that silence, searching for him, seeking, for, seeking him, drawing on him, we found that God was always here. God never left. God never left. Our greatest struggle became our greatest strength. And that was the defining moment for our culture and our values in this church. You might have felt lonely at times in your own life, in your, in your struggles, sometimes with your own family or your closest friends, dismissing what you're saying and dismissing your pain and going, ah, pain, you know, I'm going through pain. You might have had that in your life. Maybe, maybe God, maybe, maybe, you know, someone has rejected you because of that pain. But God the Father is a good Father. He is a good God. He is always near. He will never abandon you. I love honoring the Father, eh? He's so good. He's so good. Heavenly Father. So the son comes to his senses. Luke 15, 18 to 19. I'll get up. He goes, I know what I'll do. I'll get up. I'll go to my father and say, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called his son. Make me like one of your hired workers. He said, I have sinned. That right there is a powerful statement. Do you know what he did? He took responsibility for his own sin. He took responsibility for what 
the decisions that he made, right? Haven't you noticed that often people try to blame others for the decisions that they make, right? <laughs> Happens, right? People try to avoid taking personal responsibility in their lives, removing any real choice. When you remove responsibility of yourself, you're sort of removing the power to make any decisions or to make any, any differences or any changes. And sometimes people truly believe it's not even their fault and from the sin that they did back then. But hey, true repentance starts with being honest. It starts with taking responsibility. When you're truly sorry for your actions, that you've sinned against God, that honesty, that action, that humility, that approach will already start turning you towards God. 15, Luke 15, 20 says, he got up and went to the Father. He got up, went straight to his Father. I love that, right? Jesus didn't say he got up and went to the temple. Jesus didn't say he got up and went to the church building. Jesus didn't say that. The son didn't go back to any of that stuff. He went straight to his father. The son went straight to his father. Amazing. Jesus was showing that relationship with the father, that we have a relationship with the father and direct access with our heavenly father. See, a church community is important for spiritual growth, but no organization no institution, no building, no other mediator except for Jesus Christ is needed for you to go to the Father, all right? As soon as we start relying on organizations to lead us to God, we're going to be waiting every Sunday. We have direct relationship with God, our Father. Jesus, don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you need a ministry. You need somebody. Hey, the Spirit of God is inside of you. Spirit, He's right there. He's near. Now look at the character of the Heavenly Father. This is the Heavenly Father when this son turns back to God. Luke 15, 20 to 21. While the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he was, and, was filled, and was filled with compassion. He ran. He ran. He threw his arms around his neck, kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Condemning himself. You want to know what the heavenly father is really like? There it is. Right there. As soon as you turn to the father... He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't make you feel guilty. He doesn't go, well, you need to explain yourself now. Tell me, why did you do that for? He doesn't make you do any of that. As soon as he saw him turn, coming, the Lord ran and he runs to his sons and his daughters. He doesn't even wait. He doesn't even wait for you to, to go, Lord, uh, uh, treat me like a servant. He goes, no, no, no. You're not a, you're not a servant. You're my child. As soon as you decide to trust and depend on your father, he runs after you. He throws his arms around you and he kisses you. And even before the son can, can propose to be a servant, the Lord our God, our heavenly father goes, no, nah, you are not a servant. 
you are a child of God. Luke 15, nearly done. Praise the Lord. I want my watermelon. <laughs> Luke 15, 22 to 24. But the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe. He kissed him, hugged him. Quick, go get the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. Let's celebrate with the feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. That's the heavenly father's attitude towards you. Man, and you could do that every day. You can do that every day. It doesn't have to be, oh man, well, I, I, I'm bad and I keep sinning all the time and I, I, I repented a month ago and I, I can't. No, hey, every day. Mate, more. Keep going. The Lord will always embrace you. The Lord will always accept you. Even if you've been the worst of sinners. Sometimes we lie to ourselves. Oh, I'm just too bad. I've done too much in my life. It's too late for me. Hey, the Lord will run to you as soon as you decide to turn to him. He puts the best robe on you. Wearing that family robe, that robe means it's your identity. That's who you are. A child, a sign that you belong to the family. You're not a hired servant. Man, he puts on he puts on the sandals on your feet. Slaves walked around barefoot. Right? You're no longer a slave. You're a child of God. No longer bound by evil desires. No longer bound by selfishness that consumes you. You can walk on the gospel of peace. With the sandals on your feet. You're a son and a daughter. You are free. Then they bring the fattened calf and they celebrate with the feast. The father blesses his son because he was lost, dead in the world, but now has repented and come back to the father. He puts on a ring in your finger. Thank you, my love. My love, Lisa bought me a ring for Father's Day. Thank you. He puts a ring on your finger. It symbolizes family authority. If you had that ring, you had the authority. Back then, you know, the candles and the wax you had the authority to sign on anything. As soon as you had that ring on your finger, you had the authority. And just as the, the father commits authority to Jesus, so also the father commits the same authority to you. Wow. Our heavenly father commits that same authority to you. That means you have the choice to not fall away you have the choice to not sin. You have the choice. Don't let the enemy lie to you. You have the keys to the family home. Keys to the kingdom. Keys to the family car. Well, if it's a new car, I don't know if our earthly dads will let us drive it. That's probably that humanist part. <laughs> but the Lord gives you the keys to the kingdom. So the Bible says you can represent him. You can act on his behalf. Powerful. Okay, but what about the other son? There was another son, right? There was one son that turned away from God, went, rebelled, and he came back, and he realized how bad he was, and he came back and repented, and the, the father embraced him. So the second, the second son represents an, another type of believer. And look at this. Luke 15, 
Almost there. Praise the Lord. Luke 15, but we're honoring the Heavenly Father. Love honoring the Heavenly Father. So good. Luke 15, 25 to 26. Now his oldest son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music, dancing. So he summoned one of his servants, questioning, what does this mean? What, what do these things mean? I mean, I haven't got much time to go th- uh, through it all, but it, it basically, Jesus is talking about the religious people at the time and the ones that are always at the temple, always serving when needed, always fulfilling their religious duty, always there, always available when, you know, when they're called. But this son that's always at the temple, he gets angry and jealous about the youngest son. His attitude shows that his obedience to the temple and to God was purely out of obligation. Sometimes when we're religious, we do things out of obligation. We like to feel religious. We like to feel like, you know, we're it. Look at me, man. I'm, you know, coming to church all the time and, you know, I'm doing all right here. You know, but it wasn't really out of love of the Father because, you know, you see, you could almost see it from a mile away. They, they claim, religious people, they claim to be godly, but they treat their brothers and sisters with contempt, with bitterness, with in a self-righteous way. I'm righteous, you're not. No sympathy, no empathy for a lost brother or sister. You could see it from a mile away. Somebody that is religious, but doesn't have Father God dwelling inside, or dwelling inside, but not accessing the full power of God. See, the church is full of brokenness and mistrust because believers attack each other and kick each other when they're down. It's unfortunate. Rather than loving them, embracing them like a heavenly father and being a representative of God. But the father shows his heart. He shows his character. He comes and pleads with this other son. The father meets the other son just like he meets the lost son. And, and Luke 15, 31, 32 says, Son, he said to him, You were always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. This story shows the heart, the character, the love of a heavenly father. He loves the ones that come back to him. He loves them and he loves the ones just as much, the ones that are already with him. He loves all of those. The youngest son was rebellious, disrespectful, reckless. The, other, the older son was jealous lacked love for his brother, lacked love for his father. He was false, selfish motives, serving only his father for his own motives. None of these deserved God's goodness. None of these two sons, in the eyes of the world and the world's standards, deserved any of God's love, any of God's goodness. They both deserved to be punished. But the father was loving and compassionate to both. And this is who our Father, our Heavenly Father is. You can see in the worst in sinners, He can see everything. He is omniscient. He's everywhere. He sees motives. He sees intentions. He sees the pretending. He sees everything. Yet, the Heavenly Father loves His children. Those who receive Christ, those who are adopted into His family, He loves so much. He wants to set his affection on you, on his children, on those that receive Christ. He wants us to be one with himself and one with Christ. He wants to love you 
He wants to teach you. He wants to provide for you and care for you. He wants to bless, give you authority, honor you. He wants to honor every one of his children. He wants to fill you with peace and wisdom. He wants to live a life worthy of your calling, loving God and loving people. Can I get the band up, please? This morning, just reflect on your Heavenly Father right now. If you've been away from your Heavenly Father, the Lord is calling you back. If you've walked away feeling guilt and condemned, the Lord is calling you back. His love and compassion is calling you back. If you've been struck in religious obligation or just stuck in that place, doing religious motions, getting bitter and hard-hearted towards God and people, God is calling you back to His loving, compassionate arms. If you've been stuck, God wants you. God wants to unstuck you. <laughs> you have received Christ. You are a child of God. You have been adopted into the family of God. Praise the Lord. You have a new identity. Would you bow your head right now? Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Those that have received Christ are adopted. So no matter how bad your life here might have been, no matter how bad a father, father figure, stepfather, spiritual father, no matter how bad they might have been here, you need to know that your heavenly father will never, never abandon you. He will always protect you. He will always look after you. We live in a broken world. We can't put our hope in this broken world, but we can put our hope in our Heavenly Father. And if you've not yet received Christ into your heart and not declared Him as Lord over your life, I invite you right now to receive Christ. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So why don't you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I believe in my heart and I confess you are Lord over my life. I confess that you are my heavenly father. Forgive my past. Open my eyes to your truth and your love. Teach me your ways. Teach me to love you in my actions. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that you can reveal your character and your heart to us today, Lord. Thank you that we who have received Christ are adopted into your family, that we can be one with you, one with Christ. We have a new identity, new rights, new authority. Holy Spirit, right now, would you open our hearts more and more to your love and to your compassion. This Father's Day, we celebrate our earthly fathers. Our Heavenly Father, we also celebrate you. Because Lord, you are our good, good Father. We celebrate you today.